0: If you would, brothers and sisters, take your Bibles now and turn to Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10 is where we find ourselves today. We will be looking together this morning at the first 16 verses of chapter 10. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's glorious and true word. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his, Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince or leader over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince or leader over his heritage. And when you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, The donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. And three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. And after that you shall come to Gibeah Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before they prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. Now, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. What a day that would have been. I'm sure he wasn't anticipating all that when he woke up that morning. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What's come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, And who's their father? Therefore it came, became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. And Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, Where'd you go? And he said, To seek the donkeys. And when we saw they were not found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Well, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he didn't tell them anything. I think I need to pray. Let's pray. Father, I find myself so oftentimes behind this, as some old divines would call it, the holy desk. And I tremble, and I recognize myself not to be a holy man. And I often pray unto you, as you well know, Lord, spare these people of what my sins deserve, what my shortcomings deserve. Speak to them. And so I make that as a prayer unto you now. Speak to your people. Speak to us. Words of life. Words of encouragement. Words to strengthen us on our way as we go to the celestial city Work in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. had an associate pastor years and years and years ago. I've quoted him before. I probably even quoted him with this particular quote. He used to always say, good confession or honest confession is good for the soul. Honest confession is good for the soul. And I never knew what he was about to launch into. Uh, Well, don't worry too much. But I do want to be somewhat transparent with you. Try to be that, some. I don't want to be a fake minister. I don't want to be one up here who uh, conveys to you that I've got it all together. And that even includes that I've got it all together in preaching, preparing sermons. I'll be honest with you, sometimes sermon preparation is hard. It's just incredibly difficult for me. Some weeks it's just a grind. Uh, and, it, and it's not my intention to come before you today, uh, you know, sounding like some whiny minister, you know, acting as if ministers are the only ones that have job problems. You know, no, no. I, I know. I've been in the working world. I know what it's like to have frustrations. But, but there is sometimes a frustration for a minister, I think, if he's honest, when he comes before particular texts of Scripture. Uh, sermon. Preparation can be hard. Maybe it's because of time constraints of the week. Maybe it's because of pastoring or shepherding struggles. Maybe it's because of health issues. Maybe it's because of spiritual battles that the minister himself is undergoing. But maybe it's just the text itself. Sometimes it's tough. Maybe it's a combination of all those, and I think that probably is the case here. But today, it's, what pops out to me is the text. It's difficult. It's difficult. At least I've found it exceedingly difficult to prepare a sermon from verses 1 through 16. It's difficult, at least it has been for me, because of many questions. You, you might not know, but in the first verse or so there, it's, there's a textual question. Is, it a, uh, is this that we have in the ESV, which is a longer reading, the correct reading, or is it the shorter reading, which is... Uh, basically, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people of Israel? It stops there. Um, there's a textual question that pastors, if they're dealing with the text, have to kind of work through. I particularly like the, the longer reading. Um, then there's a question that's in verse 7. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Is he being told to attack the Philistines in that verse? Because it's been mentioned that there's a garrison of Philistines in too close to the people of God, too close to the house of God, too close. It's in close to the garrison, close to Gibeah Elohim. Is he being told by Samuel, all right, now, go, attack them, and then, then wait for me and I'll come to you. Or is he just being told, you know, you've got a task. You've been anointed as king. Now, now you're, you're, you're ready for that task. I'm not sure. Uh, then there's this idea of the working of the Spirit in, in this Old Testament context. Is it the same as it is for us today? I don't think so. What does it mean that the Spirit rushes down upon him? What does it, what does it mean that he's a new man? What does it mean he's got a different heart, another heart? Is that the same thing as what we think of as, as having a different heart? Or does it just mean that he's being prepared now to be not the old country farm boy, tall and handsome as he was, but now to be a king? I think it's probably the latter. There, there's, there's also the questions about these three very specific signs. I mean, this is the man of God. If he can say these things in specific detail and they happen, but those specific details, like, like the geography and like what they would be doing, are there implications? I, I think there probably are implications. that carries back to the very founding of, of, of what would become a nation. We think of Jacob and loving Rachel. Um, are, there, are there other details here of, of where it takes place? The Oak of Tabor, going up to God at Bethel, Gibeah Elohim. Probably are, that they're a little bit lost on us t- today. There's, there's the section about where you know, he goes and prophesies and the people around say, Whoa, who, who's, when did he become one of the prophets? Or is, is that something positive or is that something negative? Are they, are they cutting him down or are they just, just surprised? Trying to figure out that. and Really, trying to figure out the condition of his heart. All those are questions for me. But really, what makes this text hard for me, or what at least made it hard for me this week, is that I, I found it troubling to me as to what it's saying to us. What it's saying to you, my dear brothers and sisters, at Huntersville ARP Church in the year 2019. This. What's the point? What's the the application of such a story for us today? And I'm convinced there is an application of this text for you, for me today. Why? Why? Because I believe what Paul tells us, keep your finger here, turn to the passage that you know, but I want you to see it in light of this, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I believe there is a point and an application to this passage because of what Paul tells me and what he tells you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture, not just a part of Scripture, all Scripture is what? Breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That includes 1 Samuel chapter 10. So I'm trying to figure out how, how does this equip us? How does it help us? And it finally, I think, dawned on me, and, and I hope this is correct. It, it, it started to click when I just remembered a simple point of basic Bible study. Context. Context. Where is this passage situated? What's around it? What came before it? And so that forced me to think back at chapter 9. The donkeys, right? It made me remember all that had been transpiring for Saul as he's on route to try to find these wayward donkeys and then meeting Samuel. And it really... Uh, push me to the very last few verses of chapter 9. That launches what we have read. Last week in Saul's search for lost donkeys, we saw the great biblical truth of God's providence that, uh, that God works through all things, to sustain all things, and moves all things to his appointed ends, and he does so oftentimes simply through the small and ordinary things of life, right? Just common day stuff. That's what we talked about last time. That God uses the common day. He uses animals wandering around and getting lost. He uses human conversation, having communication with somebody else. He, He uses you having spare change in your pocket. He uses you stopping and asking for information. He uses just common, ordinary stuff of life to work out His holy purposes. In other words, God isn't separate from the mundane. He isn't separate from the regular rhythms of life. He isn't separate from the ordinary, from the small stuff. And if you think he can't be bothered with your small stuff, then your God is what? Too small. Too small. The real God is big enough for your small problems. So take your small stuff to him. You may not have lost your donkeys, right? But your cat may have wandered off. You may have misplaced your keys. You may have misplaced your phone. You may have an allergy. You may need a little help with your balancing of your checkbook. Dear ones, the one who loves you so much that he sent his son to be the sacrifice for your sin cares about your checkbook, cares about your lost cat. Cares about where you placed your keys. Cares about you trying to get that doctor's appointment just right. Or, as the case is oftentimes, getting doctors to talk to one another. Right? Well, today's passage continues in a similar vein. It it continues to reveal our God to us in a somewhat similar way. It begins with, get this, it begins with and it ends with people being in the dark. People being in the dark about what's actually going on beyond the surface level of things. Being in the dark as to what God was doing, right? Think about that last chapter. Think about chapter 9. Saul, nor his father, nor Saul's servant who went with him, nor did nor, nor the guests at, at that feast where Saul got the primo plate, you know, it was reserved for him. Uh, none of them really knew fully what was going on. I'm sure all the guests at the party said, who's this guy? He's tall, he's, he's country boy, he's handsome, but I don't know what he's doing here. They don't know what's going on, but something major is going on. And that continues, notice... By the direction of Samuel. Verse 27, chapter 9. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servants to pass on before us. And when he's passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. In other words, this guy's been with you. I don't want him to see this. I want him left in the dark. Tell him to go on ahead. We'll catch up. We've got stuff to talk about and I've got something to do. And then, think about the end of the chapter. So at the beginning of the chapter, we've got a servant in the dark, clueless in Israel. Clueless about Saul being anointed as king. Notice the the last part. Uh, Saul's there with his uncle. His uncle said to him and to his servants, verse 14 and following. where did you go? And he said to seek the donkeys and when we saw they weren't to be found we went to Samuel and Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle tells him the truth, doesn't tell him the whole truth does he? He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. True. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken he did not tell him anything he intentionally left him in the dark so we got a person at the beginning left in the dark not knowing really what all is going on we got a person at the end left in the dark not knowing what's really going on and I'm thinking boy I feel that way so often myself do you? I have no idea what's going on Lord in the world yeah sure I don't know exactly what you're doing out there in the world but in the world close to me too I don't know what's going on. Brothers and sisters, let me suggest to you that we are a whole lot like that servant and that uncle. So oftentimes, we're clueless in the U.S. of A. We're clueless in Huntersville. We're clueless maybe even here at Harp. Lord, what are you doing? I don't know. And I think the text... With everything else in there those, those t- things that we're going to assure Saul that the word of Samuel was true w- with all that in there I think this text particularly with the first and the end is telling us it's okay it's okay to sometimes be in the dark to not exactly know what God is up to. I mean, we know what He's up to ultimately, right? He is up to redeeming His people and the cosmos. Right? He is up to gathering His people from all four corners of the globe, bringing them in, uniting them to Jesus Christ, making them a part of His glorious bride and working on that bride to beautify her. And then one day with the return of Christ to To relieve the groaning of this earth under the weight of sin. To remake it as the new heavens and the new earth. We know that's that's what he's about. But I don't necessarily know exactly what he's about in that big purpose in the daily grind. Do you? And that's okay. That's okay. Now, you say, oh, all right, well, I still struggle with it. This text, I think, particularly speaks to two types of people. If you find yourself in one of these categories, and I suspect we all do to some extent, this text is speaking to you. Here are the two categories. I, I named one, and then I've changed the name to make it a little nicer. The first category are managers. You are a manager. You like to manage things. You like for things to be in order. You like for other people to do certain things. You like for step one to be followed by step two, and step two to be followed by step three, and you want things planned out, and you want them structured, and you want them to fall in place, and what gets under your crawl is when things don't quite go to plan. Now, you don't have to raise your hand if that's you, but I'll raise mine. I'm sometimes, honest confession is good for the soul. I'm sometimes a manager. I want everything figured out. And that sometimes is, okay, everything's typed out, every, every, you know, for a sermon prep, and today it's not. <laughs> told you it's a hard sermon. I need to know it's okay to be in the dark because the God of light is in control. And he is doing his holy will. And I've got to trust him. And stop trying to be him. All of God's people said, There's a second category here. This may be you too. Worry warts. Worry warts. I've been in conversations with, you know, when you become the um, parent of a young lady who's about to go off to college, you start commiserating with uh, other parents that uh, have kids who've either gone off to college or they're going off to college, about to. And I've, I've come to realize we're all in the dark. Lord, what are you doing? I have no idea what's going on. What is your ultimate plan? How will they do? Where will they go? What will they be like when they're there? What's going to happen to them? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I do know something. My God loves me, and my God loves my daughter. My God loves his people. And He is about His holy purposes, working out His holy will. And if I truly believe and trust in Him, I should be able to sleep like a baby. You should too. You should too. Even when things aren't going Like you had hoped they would be, because you're the manager. Even when they're going all over the not even going, but they could go all over the map, and you're worried about that. This text comes along, this odd text, and says, not all these Israelites knew what was going on. God did. God did. God did. And what was going on? The ushering in of the kingdom with a lousy king who would cry out for a great king. And that great king is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ who loves me and loves all of his people and is working out his holy purposes. Simple application, you worry warts, stop it. (laughs) You... Oh, I just about said You managers. Let go. You can let go sometimes. You really can. Because you can let go and you can stop worrying. Because the spirit who rushed upon Saul to enable him to do what he's being called to do doesn't merely rush in upon you. He indwells you. And will work in you what Christ and the Father want him to work in you. Stop worrying and let go. That doesn't mean be irresponsible. That doesn't mean take godly concerns to the Lord. But you know when the line is crossed, don't you? If you don't ask your spouse, ask your friends, ask your neighbors. They know when you've crossed the line. We all have and we have a glorious Savior who loves us. And all God's people said, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths of Holy Scripture that they touch us in real ways, right where we find ourselves. Why should we be surprised? You take a passage like this one. You convict us of sin. But even more wonderfully, you point us to the truly anointed one, anointed with the Spirit, to be our prophet, priest, and king. So we offer up our lives and we offer up now our voices of praise unto you in the name of Jesus. Amen.